Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. David has been at home tending to his family's sheep. Uh, His dad asked him to take bread and cheese to his brothers who were at the battle line to go and face Goliath. The Philistines giant named Goliath made an offer known as what is called representative combat, meaning one person from Israel and one person from the Philistine group would fight each other and whoever won the battle of those two would win the spoils as if the whole nation or the whole tribe fought against each other. Both parties agreed to do this. The Philistines sent out their their representative, but the Israelites couldn't find anyone who wanted to fight the giant. Uh, For 40 days, Goliath has been coming out and telling the Israelites, you all are a big bunch of cowards, you're no good, I'm going to take you down, if you even try to face me, it's going to be the worst day that you've ever had in your life, come close to me and fight me like a man. It's important that we recognize the term, come close to me. We'll get to that in a moment. On this particular day, David, a young boy, was doing a food delivery service to his brothers, and he heard the Philistine giant give his little speech. For 40 days, his brothers and the men of Israel heard the same speech, and whenever they heard Goliath give his speech, they ran back to the camp, and they wouldn't go fight him. But when David heard the same speech that the whole Israelite army had been hearing for 40 days, something on the inside of him kicked on. Have you ever had that feeling when you hear something, you just, oh, uh, something inside of me just takes over me? Yeah. Uh, Over the past four weeks, we have picked a word out of the text of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament and used one single word to show how David went from this sheep tender to a killing the, the giant Philistine Goliath. We learned in week one that David was anointed. And I showed you if you're a follower of Christ, you have the same anointing that you're anointed as well. We learned in week two that David had to become skillful with his gift. In week three, we talked about, we had the panel up here, and we talked about how whenever you have passion, passion will cause you to do something you wouldn't normally do on your own. And then last week, we looked at David was just a few verses away from taking down the giant, and he was facing opposition from the most unlikely people, his own family, and the king, who was a friend of his, who had a great deal of trust with each other from David's former position as a Heart player who played for the king, and he'd had opposition from family and the king, and because of David's passion is why we're able to read about David today. Today, we're going to look at the fifth word of our series. We have one more next week, then we're going to close out this series next week, but David uh, uses this term in, in the Bible that we're going to get to, but the word for today is the word approach. This is absolutely key when it comes to winning the the battle that you're going to be facing. We're going to read a few verses from last week's text to kind of refresh our memory, and then we'll get into new content. So, Adrienne, if you wouldn't mind reading, let's look in your notes. 1 Samuel chapter 17, go ahead and read that whole verse, those three verses. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. 
and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. Let's, let's look at this, but from a little bit different perspective. David said, Saul, I'm the keeper of my father's sheep. Just think about that for a second. If you're the king of this nation and you're getting ready to take your people to battle and whoever wins the battle gets the land, gets the money, gets the territory, gets everything, and the first thing you hear this young boy's mouth is, I take care of the sheep, how much confidence is that going to give you as the king of saying, I'm going to trust this little boy who is a sheep tender? Uh, that, that's like saying, hey, I'm really good at photography, so put me in the Super Bowl, coach. <laughs> like, the two don't even go together, so why should Saul say, yeah, go ahead. You go be the one to fight this giant. And, but you have to keep looking at what is said in verse 35. Because I went after it. That is vital. Because I stepped out in faith, because I didn't back down, when I stepped out in faith, the hand of God was upon my life and it delivered me from my greatest battles to walk in my greatest victories. It doesn't matter how big your giant is. You have to magnify your God and allow your God to take you from where you could not get to on your own. God wants to use you in your places, uh, but faith is going to have to be used. And faith teaches us once you get past your ability, you step into the super natural ability of God upon your life. You have to remain in that place and become dependent upon the God inside your life. We're just getting started, aren't we? From that place, you walk in your greatest days. From that place of dependency on God, God can use the skill that you develop and, and you add his hand upon your life. You have everything that you need to take down your giant. This concept of going after it is lost in believers today. Many Christians think, God is on my side, so I just sit back and wait for God to do what God's going to do. You didn't read the story right. When the lion and the bear came, it, they took a lamb, and David said, I don't think so. I'm going after it because you're not going to take what belongs to my family. You get so caught up in doing these things and God, I'm waiting on you, I'm waiting on you. And sometimes you just gotta go after it and let God meet you whenever you start going after it. You have to go, go after what God has called you to overcome. There are so many believers waiting for their breakthrough to happen and God says, go after your breakthrough. I'm about to get excited in here. I'm here to remind you this morning that the hand of God is upon your life. Don't let the enemy take something that belongs to you. Develop your skill and go after it. <laughs> uh, so now David, just a few verses later, is telling Saul. Saul says, okay, you're going to fight this battle. I trust you. The hand of God's been upon your life, but you're going to do it my way. You're going to put on my armor. You're going to put on my clothes. David, they go through this whole verse. You can read it in your Bible later. We went over it last week. I encourage you to go back and watch last week's message. It was a good one on opposition. Check it out. And so we... 
shameless plug, we had, I think, I think 1,700 people watch last week, so it's a good one. So, um, so go back and watch that, but what really happens is David puts his own clothes back on and, and says, I've got to take down the giant the way that I've been trained. Let's look right there in your notes, 1 Samuel 17, 40, and we're going to get into the text today where the word approach comes into play. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. That word approach there in bold is key to what happens in the story. He picked up his stones. He picked up his staff. He had the necessary tools to, to battle, but just having the tools was not enough for the fight. He had to get the stones. He had to get the sling. And once he had the tools, he had to step out in faith and make the approach. <laughs> the approach is what determines if you are victorious or not. And I'm going to explain that in a few minutes because I want to pause the message right here and we'll get back to it. But I want to talk to you about a little bit of history of what's taking place at this time in Israel with the Philistines. Whenever you hear the story of David and Goliath, it is the majority of time preached with the concept that David is the underdog. Have you ever heard that story? Like the little man fights the, the, the giant and, and, the, and the little man overcomes. You've heard that? Yeah, that's nonsense. I'm gonna show you why and how. There are some incredible motivational videos out there that tells you you're the underdog, you're gonna overcome and you see this little 13-year-old boy taking down a giant. But this idea isn't true. David is not the underdog at all. Um, let me give you some ancient history about Israel. There are three types of warriors in this time period that we're going to look at really quickly. Number one, the cavalry. The cavalry were the people who rode the horses. Number two, there was the infantry. The, the infantry were people who fought hand-to-hand -hand combat. They would have used like swords and spears and clubs and stuff like that. Then you had the artillery. These are the people who had archers, they were slingers. They were projectile warriors. Does that make sense, the three different ones? Okay, so they would send the troops in who they didn't really care so much about as the infantry. They would let those ones die off first. Here's the thing, but whenever you have the artillery, the artillery is the one who sends the projectiles. It was often the artillery is the one who set the precedence of if they were going to win the battle or not. And let me show you how. Uh, professional slingers is what we call these people. I told you that I had a, a slinger, a, a sling made. Um, this would have been not this exact same one, but this would have been the exact same size and what it's made out of that David would have used to take down his Goliath. A professional slinger. You take this, and there's a little loop up here at the top. You put that on your hand, and then you put your rocks rock, in the little pouch at the bottom, and then you grab this side, and then you just swing it. But you start here from the side, and you come up, and you come out, and then you let go of that side, this stays on your finger, and whenever you would throw it, it would send the projectile whatever direction you went. Does that make sense? We're all on the same page on that. A professional slinger could get this thing in revolution seven times per second. Like, 
I try and I never could get it there. But I mean, it, it, look at the sound. I like the sound. Sorry. <laughs> Sidetrack. <laughs> but you could get it going seven times as fast. And at age 13, David was a professional slinger. Let me, let me put this in context a little bit. A 9-millimeter handgun has a, a momentum impact at 60 yards of 2.85, meaning, I had to do some research in all this, meaning the force of which the bullet hits the object is 2.85 force. That's pretty significant. A slinger would be at 20 paces away from their, uh, their victim, and a professional slinger could get this thing going. And remember, at 60 paces, a 9-millimeter gun is a 2.85. At 20 paces, a slinger is 2.8. They could send this rock almost the same speed as a 9-millimeter handgun. 154 grams of nonstop power. A slinger could get this thing at 600 yards accuracy, flying at over 150 miles an hour at the 600 or, or, or 600 feet at the 200 yard marker. That's pretty impressive. So, meaning a slinger in the right hand of the person who knows how to do it is an extremely dangerous weapon. David was a sheep tender, meaning he was a bored little boy. What do bored little boys do when they're out in a field? They pick up rocks and they throw rocks. We went to Branson last, whatever, for Thanksgiving. We pulled into the RV site, which we go to all the time, and it's on a river, on Lake Tenny, yeah, and we pulled up there. We, it was freezing cold outside. I don't even think we had fully stopped the truck yet, and Matthew is ran over to the lake, and what's he doing? Picking up rocks and throwing them, and do, it's just in you to want to pick up stuff and throw stuff to see how far you can do it. So imagine a 13-year-old boy who's never seen an iPad, who's never seen a computer, never had any technology. What would he do all day long? Take up this little swing, this swing, and just sit there and just practice all day long and get better and better and better at it. Then we have Goliath. Goliath is an infantry specialist. Goliath had over 100 pounds of armor, which was probably about the same weight of which David weighed. His armor weighed nearly as much as he did. So think about it. You have David, who is a slinger from a distance. You have Goliath, who is a swordsman up close. The approach matters. This is going to get good. Uh, here's where we start showing that David was not the underdog. Let's look in our text uh, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 4. I want you to have some more history real quick. And there went out of a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath or Gath, whose okay. height was six cubits and a span. Okay, so a cubit is from your elbow to your hand is typically 18 inches long. So a cubit is 18 inches, and a span is half of a cubit. Didn't know you were going to come to history lessons on it. So whenever it says that Goliath was six cubits in a span, that means he was 18 inches times six plus nine inches. So for you math geniuses, he was nine foot, nine inches long. 
the average height of an Israeli man at this time was five feet. So he was literally Roman. You're just living biblical times, brother. Just now, you went like I just saw. Sorry, short joke. Okay. So he was literally within just a few inches being twice as tall as everyone else. That's a giant. You can see why they would call him a giant. So historians believed the same condition that caused Goliath to be nine foot nine inches tall was the same condition that caused him to have eyesight issues. Here's why they think that. Let's look in your notes, verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. That's the interesting theory. A man who bore the shield. If he was a fighter who could see, he would have carried his own shield. So, Goliath traveled with a shield bearer because he could not see far distances. He was an infantry specialist, which means hand-to-hand combat, this guy going to take you down. You're not going to win this one at all. Uh, But the problem was, he couldn't see past where he was hitting. In verse 44, it says, Goliath kept coming closer and closer. Why? He couldn't see who he was fighting against. I'm going to start showing you something. Then he finally gets close enough to realize, in your notes, verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Keep going. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. And I will give your flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. The thing about this, Goliath was exactly right. If David would have gotten in close range to fight Goliath hand to hand, Goliath would have mutilated him. Sorry, it's kind of grotesque, but you get the point of what was taking place. Even if, even if David would have been fighting Goliath for the right reasons, David would have still lost the battle. Even if he really loved God, he would have still lost the battle. I believe that there are many Christians that say, I really love God, and they wonder why their lives are a mess. Why they are seemingly losing every battle they face. Listen to me, this is going to minister to you. The difference was David's approach to the battle line. You can believe the Bible and still not have success in your home because your approach is wrong. You can really, 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 really love God and still be broke because your approach is wrong. You can, you, you can say, God, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to go to church one time a month and, and I'm going I'm to just be sold out for you and you can still have health problems because your approach is wrong. Here is Goliath who is trying to provoke David to fight on Goliath's terms. So let's... Nail the head in the coffin here. Goliath is an infantry specialist. David is an artillery specialist. David knows God is with him. 
David knows what to do. David also knows if he fights Goliath at his own game, he will lose every time. Your approach to the situation is the most important aspect of the battle. David is fighting Goliath, a swordsman with a sling. A slinger will beat a swordsman in every single battle as long as the slinger does not get too close to the swordsman. Here's what I'm trying to say about your enemy. The enemy cannot take you down if you don't get close to him. You have to learn to keep your distance from your enemy. Rock beats scissors. Scissors beats paper. Paper beats rock. Slingers beat swordsmen. Every single time you can't do anything about it. But if a slinger gets too close to a swordsman, the swordsman will mutilate the slinger. So David was not the underdog. The only way David would have been the underdog is if his approach was wrong and he got too close to the giant who was a professional swordsman. So here's what's got to happen. You've got to stay away from porn. You've got to stay away from negativity. You've got to stay away from the things in your life that can take you out. If you get too close to the sin, the sin will take you out. If you get too close to the enemy, the enemy will take you out. Not because you don't love God, not because you're not a great person, but because you're fighting the enemy on the enemy's terms and the enemy will win every single time when you fight on their terms. If you keep your distance, you can sling your stone and take every giant down that you ever try to face, but you've got to fight the enemy on God's terms, not your enemy's terms. The Philistine army, All in the line, looked at David, a 13-year-old boy, and he was anointed. He is skilled. He is passionate. He yells in your notes. This is the approach that takes down Goliath. This is going to be powerful. I need you to understand this. I need you to get excited about this. David is on the battle line with all these men, and you think that David's just quiet and calm and and, and being rational. Get around a 13-year-old boy who's passionate. They got vocal cords. And David's trying to show everyone that God is on my side. All right, Adrian, we're going to read this, but you got to read this with some unction behind you. All right. If you don't do it, I'm going to ask you to do it again. Okay. Because I'm about to get excited in here because this giant's about to come down. Look in your notes, verse 45. Then said David That's not to the good Philistine. Enough. All right. Then said David you to the Philistine. You don't got to get sassy about it. Come right. on now. All right. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I He's come. yelling this. Got to think about it. There's all these men who have been scared to death for 40 days of this giant, and this little boy comes out here, and he's yelling this. God, you got to keep going. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm, go, go, But go, go. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you thou gotta hast You got to say it like you mean it. Come on. This day, there you go. Stand up and say it like you mean it. This day, the Lord deliver me into oh thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. Oh, oh, okay, keep going. And take thine head from me, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Why do we have to fight? Why do we have to fight battles that are bigger than us? It says right there, so the earth may know that there is a God and your approach to the battle, the battle matters. If you don't approach the battle in the right way, you will lose your battle and you cannot show that God is the God of all the earth. Get excited for who God is because we're about to take down a giant. Verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Come Lord's. On. And he will give you into our hands. And 
It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David's passion. David did not let Goliath get close to him. Look, it said as he came close, David ran. He wasn't running away. David set the boundaries from where the fight was going to take place from. When there is a battle raging in you, you have to know the battle lines and the boundaries that you can face, that you can go into the battle with. There are boundaries that you can operate in as a believer of Christ that you have every right and full access to operate in but you've got to set the be you've got to be the one to set the boundaries for your battle to fight in a few months ago in our backyard we have a dog named Maggie sorry change the subject just thought of this we have a dog named Maggie and Maggie's a little small dog Maggie's a cute dog but Maggie's a stupid dog and so Maggie's no I'm just kidding she's good I'm gonna say good things about her she's my good dog positive confession anybody have a dog like that you got to confess more than okay. Uh, we had our fence was not in our backyard, and a and a coyote came out, and and Maggie uh, saw a friend and started chasing after the coyote. But what she didn't know was the coyote was smarter than her, and the coyote was running, and Maggie was running, and the coyote can outrun Maggie. Maggie's not real fast. Like the coyote can easily outrun, but the coyote just stayed barely in front of her. I saw what was going on. I began to yell at Maggie, 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 stop. And it lost her attention. She's a dit. She's a blonde. Oh, something new over here. So we were good. But here's, here's what was happening. What Maggie didn't know was over the street, there was a pack of coyotes. And you all know what happens. Here's what, here's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get you away from your surroundings, everything, because he knows if he can get you over here, the whole enemy, the whole pack of them will take you out. If you fight the devil's battles on his ground, you will lose every time. So what happens is he tries to get your mind tripped up over here to get you away from the people who can, who can feed into your life, to get you away from the church where you can go and be spiritually fed, to get you away from reading your Bible so you can grow in your walk with God, to get you away from worship if he can get you away from all this stuff over here he can take you out over here every time why because you're fighting on his terms not God's terms you can't fight your giant on someone else's ground there are boundary lines and you have to keep within those boundary lines and not cross them keep reading in verse 49 I'm having fun you guys having fun Okay. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. David had five stones but only needed one. There are a lot of different theories why he had five stones and no one really knows but he only needed one. Let me remind you this morning. There's only one name you need. There's only one name that you need. When you know how to use that one name, the enemy will fall every single time. When you approach the enemy on God's name, the enemy will not be able to transform the boundary that you're trying to keep. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and he smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Because David understood the name of which he carried. David understood the power of the name of which he operated from. 
I want to show you, can we, can we show that video? I want to show you, turn the volume up, turn the lights down. I want to show you a Slinger video real quick. There were some good ones out there that I couldn't show because there was a lot of filthy language and they were half dressed and I didn't think that would be appropriate in here. So I had to find some ones that were rated G for Matthew and Abigail to watch. But I want to show you what a Slinger, turn the volume up. This is a Slinger. He's hitting a, he just hit a melon. Can you turn the volume up? Okay. This, see, see that right there? This is the exact same one. This would have been a representation of what David's sling would have looked at, and that would have been at the size of stone that he would have had. This is just kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, that would hurt. That guy's 60 steps away, or 60 paces away. tennis ball. I thought that was kind of fun. All right, that's good. That's good. You shut it off. When the devil calls you closer, what did we look at last week? Learn the turn. You fight on your own grounds. Your approach to the battle will determine if you're able to take captive the spoils of the battle. David ran into the battle declaring what God was going to do. You want to learn the approach? It is not about the size of the person in the battle. It's about the weapon that you choose to use. <laughs> David's first weapon was not a stone. It was his voice. What did David say in verse 45? This day the Lord will deliver me. This day you will be smited. He started proclaiming by faith what God was about to do. Whenever it's time for you to go into your battle, you got to use your voice and declare what God's going to do in your battle because every time when you get in the enemy's camp, you will lose the battle if you go in on your own voice, if you go in on your own ambition, if you go in on your own ability. You've got to have the supernatural power of God going before you and you use your voice to dictate your approach to the battle. When you are facing your giant this week, your number one weapon is your voice. You can't fight your giant with your mouth closed. If you try to fight an infantry specialist as an artillery specialist in hand-to-hand -hand combat, you lose every time. That's not where you're trained. That's not what you've developed. That's not what's skilled. If you can keep the enemy at a distance... You have the advantage. You're not the underdog. <laughs> you're, 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 you're not the little guy. Your approach to the battle is what sets the condition for the outcome. David had his weapon in hand. He was anointed. 
But you can be anointed and still lose the battle. You can be skilled and still lose the battle. You can even be passionate and still lose the battle. David won the battle not only because he had done his part, he had become skilled, he had been anointed, he had been working on all the things he needed to work at. David won the battle because of his approach of the battle was declaring what God was going to do in the middle of the battle. Your giant is going to come after you this week. What does your approach look like? Fear is going to rise up in you whenever you feel like you're supposed to tell somebody about Jesus or share a story about something. Fear is going to rise up in you. What does your approach look like? You may have a symptom of some sort of health issue rise up in you. What does your approach look like? Your giant is going to the battle line and he is yelling at you. He's trying to mess with your mind. You can't take me out. You can't do anything. He's going to tell you you made a mistake, that you made two mistakes, that you made five mistakes, that you messed up all last week. You messed up all last year. He's going to continue to tell you all these things. He's going to tell you that this world's a better place without you in it. He's trying to get your approach off because if he can get your approach off, he can get you close enough. He will try to take you out because you're fighting the battle on his terms, not God's terms. Some of you in here have been fighting battles with your mouth closed and your enemy's winning. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, they yelled at him, if truly you are the son of God, come down from there. Could Jesus have done it? He would have been going on their terms, not his terms. Jesus knew the perspective of what he had on top of the cross was to save the world. He could have showed them all that fast. Let me show you how good I am. But it wasn't about fighting on the enemy's terms. It was about fighting on God's terms. He had to stay on the cross for your salvation. I want you to this week to check your approach. Check your approach. What are you declaring? What are you saying to your giant? Oh, I'm always, I just, I just, things just don't ever work out for me. You just start fighting an infantry specialist on his terms. God, I don't understand what, you just started fighting the battle on his terms. Nothing for me works out the way that it's... You, you just started fighting the battle on his... Why is this... Just, you don't have time and the ability to allow that thought to keep going on. Because the moment you do, you fight the battle on their terms, not God's. So the approach is what changes your perspective of the battle. Your approach is what makes you victorious to the battle. You can love God with all your heart, and if your approach is wrong, you're going to lose every single time. So how are you approaching your giants this week? How are you approaching what you're saying this week? What you're acting, what you're watching, what you're doing, what you're thinking? The devil's going to get you some stinking thinking, Jake. He's going to get your mind tripped up. Why? His terms. But a spirit-filled believer of Christ, his terms are not where I operate out of. That's not the battle I'm facing. The battle I'm facing, I'm keeping my distance because my voice, my words, the words, the word of God becomes 
my first weapon of choice. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K.com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.